0: We're talking to you. We're talking about this thought and this truth in the Bible about free, not from the presence of sin. I mean, sin is always going to work on you and in you. But free from the dominion of sin, free from the control that that habits and um, uh, your past uh, has on you, and it's not something you just you just you just don't pray a quick prayer and you're free. All right, your s- salvation is a quick surrender to Jesus Christ to His saving power that frees you from the penalty of sin but if you want to be free from the power of sin over you so that it used to just every time somebody would say let's go drink and you went let's go where you actually have the ability to go no i'm not well let me talk to you romans chapter 6 we're going to read three scriptures here verse um uh, 6 11 and 13 romans chapter 6 i got to get there myself Three verses, 6, 11, and 13. And I'll ask you to underline or circle a word in each one of them. Romans 6, 6 says this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Him being Jesus. Ah, I just lost my place. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. So circle the word knowing. Second, look at verse 11. Likewise, Reckon, that's your second word to, to circle. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. You know you're dead, now reckon that you're dead, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. One more word, verse 13. Neither yield, that's our third word, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members that's your body parts, as instruments of righteousness unto God. So the third word is yield. So there are three simple words in this chapter. Know, reckon, and yield. You put them together, add them up. I am not having a good day today. Know plus reckon plus yield equals victory. It removes the dominion of sin over your life, over your past, over your future, over your habits, over your thinking, over your feelings. Those three words, knowing, reckoning, and yielding, uh, there is some of the biggest and greatest truths, Bible truths behind each word. If you would know, if you would just learn that you are now free, not that one day you're going to be free in heaven. A Christian is free now. Uh, You are free not because you're good enough, not because you've prayed enough or you've given enough or you've done enough. It's because Jesus made you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, John chapter 8 says. Secondly, the second word there, reckon, reckon it to be true enough to believe it with all your hearts. It's, it's, uh, it's the, the reality that you are free and you go realize, I am free. I, I know I'm free, but now I believe it. And then the third one is yield to it. Yield to a right way of living being free from sin control, free to do the right thing. See, no man is really free. We all have free will for a while. But every time you do something, you're doing something in obedience to either your own flesh or to your friends or to God. And the Christian decides, I'm going to live unto God. So I choose to be free to serve God. That's freedom. So... Let's see, uh, by way of review, which is my favorite part of the message, Romans chapter 5 says some scriptures here. Romans 5 proves that sin cannot damn a Christian anymore. Look in chapter 5, verse 15. 5.15 says, but not as the offense. The offense is our sin. So also is the free gift. So we, we learned a couple weeks ago, there's my sin, and then there is a gift that pays for my sin and the gift is greater than my sin not like my offense is the gift in size and value keep going for if through the offense of one one man who was it talk to me adam the offense jesus never offended (laughs) jesus never sinned for if through the offense of one many be dead and think about all the people who've died before us much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by another man. Who is he? Jesus Christ hath abounded unto so many. Run down to verse 21. Romans 5, 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death. Yeah, every time we look around and we see um, uh, graveyards, what we do is we realize sin won every time. The Death has reigned. Death dominated in and catches up with and kills everybody. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace now reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Look back in verse 8. Still in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth, poured out his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, here's grace, Christ died for us. You know what? You know what was God's undeserved kindness towards us? You know what it was? Jesus Christ. It's Him. So the question is really, we come to chapter 6, look at verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? I mean, if there's grace greater than my sin, why not just keep sinning? Well, let's let the Bible answer that. I'm going to read these 11 verses here in chapter 6. Follow along as I read out loud chapter six. What shall we say then? What are we gonna say to this? If there's all this grace, shall we continue in sin that grace may just keep abounding? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized, not into water, but into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life like a resurrected life verse 5 for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed one day that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Aren't you glad when you get to heaven? You will not be tempted. You will not struggle with sin. You will not struggle with anger. You will not struggle with, with any temptation. When you die, sin seems to leave be, be left behind. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's keep going. All right? If that's physically true, it's spiritually true as well for the believer. Watch this. Um. Where did I leave that? Yeah, verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, I know I'm alive and so are you, but there's a part of us that God sees as dead. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him forever, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but then in that he liveth, He liveth unto God. So look at verse 11. He says, likewise, in the same way, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed, absolutely dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So um, when when we read these verses, let me give you three truths that come out here. Number one, why not just keep sinning? Number one, because it's still wrong. (laughs) Some people think that things have changed over time. And that living together is not fornication anymore. That smoking is not a sin anymore. Drinking, it's okay with God. It's okay to do whatever we please. God loves us anyway. Don't don't think that for a minute. We think that now most people, especially in church, they think that our sins now really don't affect God. God's not upset over sin anymore. And that's not true. A wrong is still wrong even if 99% of the population vote that it's okay to do. It's still wrong. God's laws are clearly defined right and wrong. You know, we wouldn't know it's wrong to covet. I know it's wrong to kill somebody. My conscience hopefully will tell me that. But I wouldn't know it's wrong for me to covet what somebody else has except the Bible says thou shalt not covet. The law is good. I need the law. People may be more and more comfortable with pornography, with lying, with stealing. Talk about the politicians and RT. People are more and more comfortable with being rude and cruel and selfish and negligent of worship. I mean, I know people right now who just as saved as you and me, and yet they're comfortable at home sitting there going, I don't have to be in church. It doesn't matter whether you're comfortable with sin. The question is, is it sin still? And it is. Number two, the second reason why we don't keep sinning is because of grace go to titus hold your place here go to the right and find titus chapter 2 just before hebrews a little book called titus chapter 2 verse 2 timothy titus chapter 2 and verse 11. the second reason why we just don't keep sinning that doesn't mean that you don't sin uh, try to understand this he uses the word continue there doesn't he why should? doesn't say how should we continue in sin how do we continue to do what we know we shouldn't be doing what the bible says not to it's not that we lose our cool oh i guess i sinned i guess i'm not a christian Uh, no the devil idea like that sin is always going to be popping up cropping up but if you continue in it if you live in it there's something wrong titus chapter 2 and verse 11 let's talk about grace for a second For the, say it with me, next three words, grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to how many men? Everyone. Everybody, listen. It's going to the whole world. It's not for a select few. It has appeared unto all men, teaching us. What does grace teach us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. God doesn't want you to be living like the lusts of the world are. We should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world you think you'll be sober in heaven (laughs) yes there is no drink in heaven it's all new wine amen Uh, soberly you think you'll be living righteously in heaven you think you'll be living godly in heaven what he doesn't say wait till then he says do it now live it now grace teaches us to live free from sin now uh it's the grace and the kindness of God that is why we don't keep sinning. And the third reason is because we're dead to sin now, and we're alive unto God. This great truth is what we've been focusing on for the last few weeks, and we got a few more to go. And whether you understand it or not, this is your reality. It is something you've got to hold on to. You need to be able to quote, like Dina, like Gleb have, like Nita have, where they can quote this when they feel tempted, when they quote this when they feel like this habit just rears this ugly head and you fall in the same traps, you respond to the same triggers and you keep doing the same old things. When you face it, you go, how shall I continue in that sin? If grace is so abundant, God forbid, I am dead to that sin now. That is the reality that a Christian lives in. Because the moment that you repented and you believe the gospel, you were placed in not into a religious order, into water or into church you were placed into salvation and into victory himself you were placed into Jesus Christ it's like you were given a new identity you know they put people in this witness protection program in the states I don't know if they have it here in Ireland but where you're, you're maybe such a bad criminal and they put you away and then they release you but everybody knows about you and so they give you a new identity new passport new name and they give you a new chance at life well that's what we got when we got saved we're no better than the worst criminal in, in, in Mount Joy, folks. They just got caught. So when, when, when a person gets born again, they have a new last name. It's Christ follower. That's, I, you know, I'm Craig Ledbetter, the Christ follower. I've been given a new identity. And um, uh, that's absolutely breathtaking. I actually get to enjoy the benefit of everything that Jesus did. And i enjoy it alive he died so that i never have to so here's the here's the thing since jesus is alive now we should live as people who are living a new life romans 6 4 look at verse 4 back to romans 6. romans 6 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism again don't think water By your placing in being placed into Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit put me into Christ and put Christ in me. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Being baptized, we were baptized not into Jesus, the living Savior, but into Jesus who was crucified, buried, and rose again for me. It takes me back to that point that, like as Christ, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, I would have, I mean, one of these days, I'm gonna ask Jesus, what was it like? The moment that you walked out of that tomb and nobody else got to see it. The angel had to roll it away to show everybody he is not here. <laughs> but the glory of the father in that awesome raised up. Uh, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father. Well, in that same power that raised up Jesus Christ is the power that should give you and me the ability to walk in a new life. Do you understand how powerful that is? This is not willpower we're talking about. This is not money power. Some of you think, just like me, if I had 100,000 euros given to me, I'd go, woo-hoo, now I can do some things. (laughs) Do you know what? You don't have to wait for two euros. You just got to get the power of the resurrection as something that you rely upon, and you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. Now, the all things, not to just, I'm going to go walking on air, but whatever God asks me to do, no matter how hard it is, I can do it because I'm living by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So if this is true, then the old me is dead. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we won't go there, but you ought to remember it. You ought to memorize it. Um, uh, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are? All uh, Aunt Sally, she passed away last night. Don't we say that? Mm-hmm. That means she died. <laughs> old things in my life are now passed away. Behold, all things are become what? Mm-hmm. You know, every day you ought to wake up and go, new day. I have new mercy. I have a new opportunity to live for God. Amen. All things have become new. The old me is dead. And if that's true, I need you to go to Galatians chapter 2. And the truth is? A new me is living. Now, I wrote this down. I thought this. What happened at the cross? We think that that Jesus was defeated when he died on that cross. He was not defeated. Death was defeated. Amen? Isn't that awesome? When Jesus was dying, you know what he cried out? Victory. That was not defeat. It was accomplishment. It was success. It was victory. It says in Colossians chapter 3, Uh, uh, It says that he triumphed over death when he was crucified. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. That's my identity. Nevertheless, I'm alive. I'm not dead, dead. I'm living, yet not I anymore, but Christ is living where? He's living in me, man. And the life which I now live in the flesh I don't even live by my own faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And here's the best part. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that an awesome scripture? Isn't that awesome? We should live because the old me is dead and the new me is living. I've got a new me living now. All right. Here's where the rubber meets the road. I can tell you that till the cows come home. And believe me, the cows have come home. And it do you no good until you reckon it to be true. Go back to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Let Let me read this. There's a song that Bruce Fry wrote, or maybe he didn't. I don't know who wrote this. I think Bruce Fry wrote this. He said, Now and then, an old friend of mine I've not seen for some time will stop by and ask me, Hey, where you been? What's on your mind? They wonder why I'm not drinking and still painting this old town red. And I tell them, I'm serving Jesus now, and the old man is dead. The old man, the, the man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same clothes and have the same old name. But you're looking on the outside. If you could see in st- inside instead, you'd see a brand new man, because the old man is dead. That's the truth. That's the reality. And the sooner you start to reckon it, You've heard this, you know it for years, but until you reckon it, that's where we get to our second word here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Not dead to one another. Can you imagine everybody came into church, I'm dead to you. (laughs) But you can be dead to attitudes and to past experiences And to emotions, you can be dead to sin. Keep going. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, let not sin therefore. If you're dead, don't let it reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Okay, so since Christ was dead and is now alive forevermore, we should see ourselves as the same. We should see ourselves as dead to sin, even to lusts. I like how it says there. It says that we should not obey sin in the loss thereof, in the intense pull thereof. Uh, uh, We're not victorious over sin through our own willpower, I've said, or through our best efforts, but through Jesus Christ, our Lord. By the way, water baptism is the first time you do that that's the first time you apply what jesus did for you and you say you know what that perfect savior who died and was buried and rose again i'm telling the whole world has affected my life and i'm identifying i'm reckoning myself dead and buried and alive with a new life you see how baptism does that and you don't wait for years you do it as soon as possible because it's your first chance to say, I reckon it to be true. Now, some of you don't talk like that. I grew up with the word reckon. I mean, that's pure Texan. You know, God snuck some Texan words into the Bible, it's in the original Hebrew. And you get somebody talking about something, you know, I reckon it's going to rain today, you know, and people use communication like that. But reckon's a good word. It means this. Let me get to it. It means to keep in mind, which is a word for take seriously what you're reading, to add up all of these truths and conclude it about you. I gave you an illustration of a, of a spreadsheet where you add up numbers. Some of the numbers are only a euro or 50 cent or whatever. You add it up and it's 16,123 euros. And you go, woohoo, <laughs> And you realize that's in my bank account. And you apply all the things that God has given you and promised you. And you say, that's for me. It's not for a pastor alone. It's not for dear Saint Agnes over there. It's for me. It's reckoning. Another meaning or another angle I mean is to believe it, to accept with all your heart that these promises and that these truths are true. Again, I make an emphasis for you. You believe with all your heart what God has told you. I mean, I actually I love talking to people about the gospel and taking them through, and then asking, saying, "Put your name right here in, in in Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Put your name in there. For if Sean shall call upon the name of the Lord, make it you. Amen. That's reckoning. You can know tons of the Bible and it not do you any good. Are you with me? But when you reckon it, when you go, I reckon that's me. <laughs> I believe it's me, for God so loved, Craig led better that He gave His only begotten Son. So uh, apply the Bible to yourself. I don't think anybody does that anymore, man. Uh, can I show? Give me a second here. Go to uh, i oh, sorry, Psalm ninety one. I'll show you something. Psalm ninety one. Now, I know this is not directly a, a, a talking just about me, but when I read the Bible, I look to see if I can fit in it. <laughs> I'll try to see if the shoes will fit. Look in your Bible, Psalm ninety and 91, sorry, verse 14. I'm going to read it like it says it, and I'm going to put me in there. Watch it. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now let me read it personally. Let me reckon it. Because Craig has set his love upon me. This is God talking. Therefore will I deliver Craig. I will set Craig on high because Craig has known my name. He knows me intimately by name. Craig shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with Craig in trouble. I will deliver Craig and honor Craig. With long life will I satisfy Craig and will show Craig my salvation. That is my Bible. I hope you put your name in there. That's called reckoning. That's where you start to believe. It's not just words. And for someone else, you go, do I fit in there? Is that me? Does Does that apply to me? Now, not everything in the Bible does apply to you, all right? But some of it does, and it becomes alive and that's reckoning. Um, A lot of Christians I know, they know all the facts, but they don't believe them. Um, Let me see if this, what do we need to believe? What is it that you and I need to believe that we, we know, but we're not believing, all right? Number one, that when you believe that Jesus died, you need to believe that you died too. Secondly, you need to believe that when Jesus rose, you say, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, then you need to believe he uh, he gave you a resurrected life. You rose also. You're you're not struggling with your sin anymore. It died with Christ. I have a new life just as Jesus rose from the dead. I am alive now. I thought, um, third... Every sin has now been defeated and dethroned by Jesus, not by you. You need to stop worrying about, i got to get rid of cigarettes. They're already gone. You just won't let them go. Now, I know that's tough to believe, but when you know it and you reckon it, I'll show you how to yield to it next, and you reckon it to be true, I am free from any sin that I know that I shouldn't be doing. I am free. That doesn't mean it's easy but you're free because sin has been dethroned and all jesus christ is waiting for you to do is say lord you're in charge and then we'll talk about yielding in a minute Uh, look at verse 14 romans 6 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you that smartphone of yours is really a dumb phone and is owned by a dumber person because you're letting it have dominion over you when it has no power over you except you give it. And you need to realize that thing should not have any dominion over me. I'm in charge of what I allow, and I've allowed it to be in charge too long, and I'm gonna yield to getting a flip phone <laughs> or something else, amen? If it's a if it's plaguing you. You gotta realize that all that stuff you're struggling with is defeated by Christ. It has no more power over you. And you need to believe that sin and death have no more power. You do not have to obey uh, sin's pull and push anymore. You know, sin used to tell us what to say, used to tell us what to do, where to go, what to, what to drink. My friends didn't even have to tell me I wanted to do it. Uh, sin would tell me what to watch, and I had great pleasure doing it, and so did you. But Christians don't let wrong reign over them anymore because there had to have been a day where you let Jesus take over. You need to keep him the focus of your life instead of this world. Again, I'll talk about yielding in a moment, but it all leads to the next point. And as I said, uh, uh, let me see if there's one more. I should not permit sin to reign anymore. The example is that my mouth may, may, may just be quick to tear down somebody, and, and, and be cruel or rude. My eyes may be quick to undress somebody. My, my heart may be quick to, to be critical of somebody, and I should not let it. I now am living a new life. I will not permit all of those things that I used to easily do run my mouth anymore, run my thoughts, run my eyes. I, will, I should not permit it. Can't, will, do Christians permit sin? Yeah, they do. But the Bible, I mean, when my dad used that word uh, uh, shall or should not, he was not giving me an option. <laughs> you shall not go out. <laughs> and sin shall not have dominion over you is a command. So yielding is where a lot of people stop uh, in their Christian life. Look in verse 13 now. Hmm. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Let me read down to verse 18, and we'll come back. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Stop for a second. Get the thought. Your members are your body parts, your fingers, your nose, your eyes, your ears. Neither yield ye your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness. We'd say tools of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves, your bodies, Unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members now as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. There's a bigger motivating factor in me. There's a bigger influence. It's not the law, it's not fear, it's not the wrath of God that motivates me to do right. It's his kindness towards me when I I'm such an unworthy sinner. That motivates me. What then? Shall we sin? He asked the same question It was in verse 1. Because we're not under the law, but under grace? No, God forbid. Know ye not, there we come again, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God, be thanked. There is a day... That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being made, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now we're into the message. You see, yielding is where a lot of people stop in their Christian life. They, they, you know what they do? And they sit in church, and like you're doing this morning, and they learn a lot of Bible truth. They 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 even believe some of the truths, but they won't live it. They won't take what they've learned and go out that door and then go, Well, I gotta say I'm sorry. Well, I gotta go and and get rid of that thing in my house. That's 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 tempting me to, to Uh, uh, To sin. I'm going to have to go to that somebody and ask him for forgiveness. I'm going to have to go to my boss and say you know I haven't been I've been lying on my time sheet and I got to make it up to you. You see if you're not willing to take and live what the Bible says you're wasting your time. You are. Because I can pour out the truth I can read every verse of scripture and you can learn it like the back of your hand and still do you no good until you go hmm hmm I know what I need to do. Amen. You do realize the only difference between a successful Christian and a failure is whether a person steps out of the boat and lives by faith in obedience to God or sits in fear of doing what God says. See, Paul, uh, uh, Jesus comes walking on the water for a lot of great truths, but one of the truth is, will you get out on the, on the water With me, in trusting me, are you just going to sit there in the boat? And Peter says, I don't want to sit anymore. I've been sitting long enough. I want to see what it's like living by faith. I want to see what it's like reckoning. If you can walk on the water and you told me to follow you, Jesus, I'm following you out on the water. Amen. Peter was the only one who reckoned that he could walk on that water. Not because he had the ability, but because he's waiting for Jesus to say, Yeah, come on. But he did it, do you understand? Because he decided, I'm going to trust that if he's walking, I can walk. And if Jesus went through the valley, I can go through the valley. Amen. Live the truth. Folks, the, this is the, it is always easier to live the way you always have. <laughs> but did you know that continuing in sin, continuing in a, in a sinful lifestyle, continually doing what God has shown you is wrong to do, is going to catch up with you one day, and it will hurt you, and it will hurt those around you. And the Bible says that if God's your father, he will not let you go. I mean, if you've got kids and you don't care whether they sneak out at night, or you don't care whether they go off with the wrong friends, you're a negligent parent. If you don't care if they eat their, their, their dinner, if you don't care if they do their homework, you're the problem, Amen. But I know one parent that is never negligent is God Almighty. And if you're a child of God, he will hunt you down and he will put the pressure on you and in you and help you realize there's a way back and help you get back. All right. Romans 6, 23, look down there and I'll show you this. This is written to Christians. For the wages of sin is what? Do you know Christians die? Because of sin. And some Christians die a whole lot earlier than they should because they're still playing with sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, our Lord. So, let's talk about yielding today. There in verse 16, 17, and 18, to yield, he says, "Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. It means to give in to. Ooh, I don't like that. Already I don't like this word. <laughs> it means to obey someone other than your own self. It means to let someone else tell you what to do. Ouch. That's what it means to yield. If I'm in an argument, I can choose to one up, keep giving the facts, keep yelling a little louder, or I can say, I yield. I yield's not worth fighting over. That's yielding. Um, and when you're yielding to God, what you're doing is you're trusting him enough to obey him. Only reason why you should trust anyone is because you're trusting God. You may not trust anybody in this life, but I know this, God will say, obey them that have the rule over you. Uh, uh submit to authorities, submit to governors, magistrates, even kings, wives. Submit to your husbands, children, submit, submit to your parents, honor your parents. All that stuff is hard unless you're submitting to God and you're yielded to God. Amen. So if I'm going to yield, it's going to be hard. Folks, yielding is where your freedom is. That's where the freedom of the Christian is, and it's also our biggest struggle. When you're so used to following the old masters of your life, and you're used to following your friends and following the devil you know, and I have found, and prove me wrong, but it is not automatic that a Christian just yields to God. <laughs> no, they may for the first few weeks after they get saved, maybe a few, few months, and then all of a sudden they get into that battle, and they're going, oh, "I'm a little tired. I don't think I know. I don't think I'll go to church today." And they don't yield. And then it becomes a habit, and it becomes normal. It's not automatic that a Christian just yields to God. We need to be reminded to yield to him. That's why God calls men to stand up and remind you, yield to God. Now, who are you yielding to? Look at verse 16. No, you're not. That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are, Ye are to whom you obey. Stop there for a second. So who I obey, I become a servant to. Who I think is worthy of my trust, I become obedient to. Whoever I think is powerful, stronger, better. And as long as I have a little view of God, I will not yield to him. But one of the reasons why we're having the Bible Club this year is to give people a big view of God. To give kids a reason to follow Jesus. Jesus isn't just a good guy. He is God Almighty in the flesh. He is a creator. Jesus is the creator of the universe. When I used to look through my telescope and I used to draw all the things, I didn't have a camera that would work on the thing, and I used to draw all of the the, the star clusters and the planets and the moons around the planets, and I looked at the Milky Way and, and just saw such beautiful. It was awesome, but I didn't know who made it until somebody told me Jesus did. I, I'm more impressed with the maker of the universe now than I am with what he made, amen? But I certainly am amazed at what he made. And so guess who I yield to? To a greater force. Who I, who I yield to proves who I am following. And I yield now unto God. That's what he continues on there verse saying. He says, whether you yield to sin, which leads unto death, or of obedience now unto righteousness. Who are you yielding to? The Bible says that we're not supposed to yield to the power of sin anymore. We've been, it, it has been dethroned. Now, some of you know about, you're, you've been in the car and you come up onto the, the uh, M8 or you come up uh, onto the M50 there, and I hate the M50. I think the Dunkill Roundabout has put the M50 to shame though. But there's that thing where you're getting ready to join in, and it's just just miles of lorries just clipping along at, at 100 kilometers, 120 kilometers an hour, and you yield to them. They're in that highway. And we see sin the same way. We're driving along in our life, and sin comes along, and we just yield, and we give in to that temptation. You need to now say, I'm not yielding to that power anymore. I don't think sin is in control anymore jesus is jesus let's get into the lane (laughs) and when sin used to scare you and pull you into its temptation whatever it is what and i'm talking about your past i'm talking about um, uh, the temptations your friends the pressures of this life when they come along they're like an 18-wheel lorry folks and you just say i I can't stop giving into this this thing comes to my mind, and then I do it. Let me tell you, the Bible says you are you don't have to. You are free from it. When it comes along, you step into the lane, and sin moves. That's the new reality for the Christian. You submit to God, and Satan flees. Do you ever notice that? Yeah. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and the devil will flee. I like... Um, mm. <clears throat> Would you say modern music is very powerful? Yeah. One time I, I, I was thinking of bringing it in. I just know I don't have enough time. Uh, back when we had youth camp a couple of years back, I, I taught the teens about music. And I taught about, I mean, you put on some of that music and it's just like like a grip on your heart and pulls you in. And wah. That's what kids are struggling with. They grow up with the music. It's been since the 1950s and 60s and 70s. Music is powerful. Uh, Drinking drugs, are they powerful? Incredibly powerful. Uh, Friends, friendship. I mean, people commit suicide when they lose friends, man. But in your Christian life, you need to stand your ground. You need to press on anyways. Don't let anything cause you to yield to Any other power but God Almighty. If you want to be free. Now, if you want to serve your friends for the rest of your life, you go right ahead. If you want to become uh, 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 a slave to drink or to drugs, you go right ahead. But if you want to be free, submit yourself to God and become his servant. Amen. These hands are not my hands anymore. These feet are not my feet anymore. These eyes don't belong to me particularly anymore. This mouth is not my own anymore. They belong to God Almighty. Is there else? No, there's nothing else. Stop not that. <laughs> my watch takes over sometimes. First John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You already have, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world yield your members your body members your body parts to God let him have them look at 1 Corinthians 12 we'll come back to Romans probably in just one more minute and we'll be done but 1 Corinthians back to or oh, to the right 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 this is kind of cute 1 Corinthians 12, 12, but as the body is one, how many have two bodies? <laughs> no, you've only got one body, okay? As the body is one unit and hath many members. I got lots of fingers and toes, amen. And all the members of that one body being many, even though you got a lot of them, they're still one body, aren't they? Well, so also is Christ. Each one of us are part of the body of Christ. That's what he's teaching. But look down at verse 4, 14, sorry. For the body is not one member. You're just not one big eyeball, amen. But many members. So I want you to understand. The members of your body are your eyes, your hands, your mouth, your tongue, your mind, your feet. Let God have them. Let God have your voice. Some of you can sing like angels. Get up here and sing in the ensemble. Some of you can't sing worth a... I don't know. Sing anyway, because I never learned to sing until I joined the choir, and they taught me how to sing. The only reason why I love Christian music now is because somebody took the time to teach you. Uh, A little lower led better. (laughs) Now hit the note, good, you're doing great. Somebody help me, amen. Let God have your voice. You do have one, don't you? Let God have your hands. What do you do with your hands? You ever do anything for God with them? see if your hands are always serving your boss or your hands are always serving your family or your hands are always serving yourself you're missing one person serve god with them use your hands to build something for god let god have everything you have let him have everything in your past you say you don't know what i've been through let god have it you see your past the devil owned everything that happened there why don't you let god have it and let god have your future the member, let me just say this. Some of you grew up thinking your member, some of your members of your body were sinful, and they're not. Your hands are not sinful. It's not wrong to have hands, amen? <laughs> Sins aren't, uh, your, your hands aren't the problem. It's a good thing to have feet, amen? It's a good thing to have eyes. It's a good thing to have a brain, if I only had a brain. It's good to have an imagination. It is good to have reproductive organs. It's even good to have hair, amen? What we do with them becomes sin. That's the problem. And here's the truth. Some of you haven't yielded to God in a long time. You haven't said, Lord, here's my life. Take my life. Every morning on on Monday morning, I get up and I serve other people. And I want to start serving you. I want to submit to you. I want to yield to you. That will make you victorious. Every time you're fighting against sin, and yet you're still a servant of your friends, you'll never give up the sin. You understand? You've resisted yielding to God's will. You've resisted his promises. You don't even accept them as yours. So you live in constant fear and stress. You've not yielded to God's peace. Do you realize the peace of God is right next to you and it will rule your hearts if you'll let it. When you're such stress, you can breathe and go, Lord, I'm going to let you take this because I'm about to die and I can't carry it another minute. And you got to get used to reckoning. He's in charge. He's in charge. I trust him. I'm going to show you something. Look at John chapter 8 now. John 8. John 8. John chapter 8 and verse 44. There's, there's a movie out uh, about human trafficking. Um, you ought Boy, thank God, there's a lot of good influences right now. Uh, there are a lot of perverts out there. There are a lot of wicked people who want your children. And let me tell you, when you find out that these guys want to have a drag show in the school or when, when all this stuff is going on all over the world, it just makes you boil. Let me tell you, you think that's bad. Let me tell you, look at Romans chapter 8, and verse 44. He's speaking to the unsaved, but I want you to understand the application here. John 8, 44. Ye, of your, ye are of your father the devil. Now, he's talking to Pharisees, people who are very religious, but he says, you're of your father the devil, and the, not the will, but the lusts of your father you will do. How abhorrent is it? How wicked is it that somebody carries out their lusts through the life of somebody else? That's abuse, isn't it? Well, when somebody is yielding their life to this world and to the culture and to the uh, the friends and to the, the music, I mean, I read about the suicides of rappers, not candy rappers, but the number of people who make millions singing these stupid rap songs and they're not alive, they start becoming famous and within three months they're dead. The devil is not kind to his children. And what they were doing was they were yielding to the lusts of another being. And you need to be so tired of being a slave to that thing. Every time you pick up that drink, you got to remember you're fulfilling his lusts instead of his. Amen? John 10 says this, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give to them eternal life. Hallelujah. Let me finish. The influence of the Holy Spirit is where you need to learn, and I'll talk more about this in two weeks. Yielding to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. When you read your Bible, does it scream at you? Does it grab you and pull you in? (laughs) Does it beat you on the back? No, the Bible is a still, quiet, small voice, isn't it? And God's a gentleman. He says, if you won't listen to me, if you won't let me speak at a whisper, I'm not going to scream at you. Now, we normally give in to whatever's screaming at us, but we need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as we read our Bibles. That's why we call it a quiet time, where we let him influence us, where we let the Holy Spirit of God convict us and, and teach us, and then we reckon it true, and then we yield to it as, that's what I need to do yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that changes us it's as we yield him every time the Holy Spirit says give that person a try give in do it Holy Spirit says now stop (laughs) don't go there don't do that don't watch that and we yield that's where we have the victory it won't be in your will to do right but it'll be in his will your will is yes Lord the Holy Spirit will change you as you yield to him. This is the revolution. This is the victory that the Christian has as we yield to him. Um, we all used to yield our body members as tools of to the devil. Our mouth used to be used to say such filthy things, hurtful things, rude, cruel things. Our hands used to be used to steal, to physically hurt other people. Our feet were swift to run wherever we could sin. Our eyes were full of adultery and pornography. Our mind was full of wicked imaginations and pleasures. They all were tools of the God of this world. If you know, I'm going to bring up things that I know about. A rock group called Fleetwood Mac, one of the lead singers, Stevie Nicks, wrote this back in 1971. He said, it's amazing. It's amazing. Because sometimes when we're on stage, I feel like somebody's just moving all the pieces, man. And I'm just, just going, God, we don't have any control over this. It's magic. You know what he's singing about? A rock concert. And he says, somebody just takes over. Yeah, I know who does. Angus Young, who was the lead guitarist for A- A- ACDC. I drove by his house. We were in Florida there. And the guy that we're with says, that's the head guitarist of, of ACDC. I grew up with these guys, not living with them, but listen to them. He was called called the guitar demon, and he admitted that something took control of the band every time they started their concert. He says, it was like I was on automatic pilot. By the time we're halfway through the first number, someone else was steering me, and I'm just on for the ride. I became possessed when I was on stage. You understand how the world understands that? You need to learn about being owned by the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit and not drunk with wine and not filled with a demon. Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones wrote this, We receive our songs by inspiration, (laughs) like at a seance. That's how the Rolling Stones claim They got all their music. Let me just tell you, they're yielding to a Spirit, aren't they? wouldn't it be awesome we who know the greater power would yield to the glorious power of the holy spirit of god what could we do what victory would we enjoy if i learned to yield to the holy spirit of god so all parts of me now all parts of me need to be used as instruments of righteousness i mean my mouth should say encouraging words, helpful words, truthful words, Bible words. My voice should praise God instead of always complaining. These hands should work hard, building things for God and doing things for others. My feet should go everywhere, taking the gospel where people have never heard. My eyes should seek for opportunities to show compassion and support. Look what other people need instead of only what I need. Go to the last verse, Joshua 24, 25. It's a choice we need to make every day where we yield to God instead of to ourselves. Joshua 24, 25. In the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then comes Joshua. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. You probably know the verse. It's a nice verse to put in your house. Joshua 24, 15. Mm. 24, 15. And And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether you want to serve the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood back in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye now dwell. But as for me and my house we will serve the lord what does he says you and i need to yield and obey the lord you will obey something or someone every day of your life you may obey your wife you may be obey obey your parents you may obey your friends or your boss or you may be obeying just yourself but choose you this day who you will obey i choose to serve the lord it's a choice you got to make every day so by way of conclusion how does anybody get saved Number one, by learning that Christ died and was buried and rose again in your place so that you could be forgiven, took the punishment of your sins, and you learn that, and then you simply believe it. That's reckoning it to be true. You go, he did that for me, then I believe it. And that's when you're saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's salvation. That's freedom from the punishment of your sin. Amen. But after a person gets saved, did you know they are free? Most Christians don't know that they are still, uh, that they're free. They, they, most Christians don't live like they're free. They, they, they feel like they're still enslaved. I still give in to this. I, th- this is just who I am. Mm, that's why you need to get born again. Because <laughs> the old you is pretty bad, all right? Reckon your freedom to be true. Start to reckon that I, I, I'm in Ireland, but my citizenship's not here. My citizenship's in heaven. I, I, I may be Craig Ledbetter, but that's, my, that's not my name. My name is Christian. That's who I want to be. That's who I reckon myself to be. Reckon your freedom to be true and then yield to the will of the Lord Jesus. You just need to yield, deciding to let God decide. That's cool. And the truth is this. Some of you haven't yielded your tongue, your hands, your anger, your past, your future to God for a long time. Some of you, every day, you come into church and you say, all right, try to teach me something new let better. I know it all. Yeah, and you still stink like hell. And I'm telling you, all that knowledge is stuck up here, and the Lord says, start believing it, and then start trusting it enough to do it. And all those things that you're struggling with, that some things, depression is just a symptom of a problem that goes way back, bitterness and anger, man. Trauma stuff, you're going to have to forgive and you're going to have to do it because you're reckoning it and you're yielding to it, that that is your freedom. You don't know what they need to do and you don't know what they're ever going to do who hurts you, but you know what you need to do and you start to do it because that's your freedom. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer. Just before we sing, let me just encourage you that to examine and find out are you fighting are you fighting against the gospel you're holding on to your own goodness and your self righteousness thinking that well I'm not that bad well you're not that good either you got to stop fighting the gospel and, and reckon that Jesus Christ died for you he didn't just die for sinners he died for you if there was no one else on this planet he still would have had to have come to die for you it took him his to death to make every individual, any individual, forgiven. Don't fight the gospel. Don't say, well, I'm a member of this church over there, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a paying tither of this. Or None of that matters to God. What, he, what matters is, are you born again? Have you believed that Jesus Christ, what he did, not just believe that he lived, but that he lived and died for you? Have you believed that? Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Trust it. And if you do that, you'll start to experience freedom like you've never known it. Dear Christian, this is where freedom is. Father, bless what we've learned. I've tried to teach, but now it's in the hands of every person in this audience. They've got to reckon it, they got to believe it. And then they've got to yield to a different way of living, a different way of talking, a different way of loving, a different way of serving. It's totally different, but it's freedom. And it's awesome. There's no greater joy than to walk in truth than to walk in the freedom that you give us. So please bless these folks, God, with making a choice to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.